Lord's been working me all week about this message. It really is. Um, I, I normally don't do this. Uh, most of you know I don't do this. But this message is for one particular gentleman that I know. The rest of you get to sit in on this message. It's not probably um, directed to you. It's directed to this one particular gentleman. I've known him for many, many years. And uh, God has used him greatly. Uh, but this man, more than anybody else, the Lord asked me to preach this message to him. So, Adam McCain, I want you to listen. Because this message is for you. <clears throat> I want to ask you a question as we start into this. Is God with you? Psalms 23. Let me give you a couple thoughts on this out of the word. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus speaking, he says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple? This building's not God's temple, you are God, I am God's temple. You are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. John 14 and 16 through 17, and I'll ask the Father, Jesus said, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because they neither, it neither sees him or, nor knows him. But you know him and he lives with you and will be in you. A counselor that will be with you forever. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives and abides in you. And he is with you every moment of the day. He is with me every moment of the day. Have you ever been with somebody but they weren't with you? Have you ever been sitting having coffee with someone? And you were there, but they really weren't there? Well, wives, don't look at your husbands. Have you, ever just, have, you ever, have you ever been sitting there trying to have a conversation, and you realize they are not, they are somewhere else. They are not with you. I wonder how much through the day Jesus is with me, but I'm not with him. I, I wonder how often throughout the next two hours of my day is Jesus there with me, engaging with me but I am unaware and nor am I engaging with him I left my son on the toilet not because I meant to simply because I got distracted I, 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 I got caught up in something else I was doing I wonder what would happen to the believer who was cognizant that Jesus is with them every moment of the day I wonder what our lives would look like if we were aware that the Holy Spirit lives and abides in us. That he is with us. Everybody say, with us. You can do it better than that. Say, with us. You can try it one more time. Say, with us. He is with you every second of the day, all throughout the night. He is right there. And because we don't see him in the natural, we don't recognize him many times, we forget him. What would we change if we were aware that Jesus is right there, that his Holy Spirit is right here living in a Bible? What would we watch differently? What would we say differently if we were cognizant that he is right there with us? I, nothing more frustrates me to try to have a conversation or an engagement with someone and they're flipping through their phone they're texting I know that they think that they're hearing me but they're not hearing me they're catching bits and pieces they don't really are they don't really know my nature and my heart in this conversation because they're only picking out words as they're trying to multitask into something I wonder what the believer could look like 
wonder what Adam McCain could look like if I was cognizant that Jesus is with me, that the Holy Spirit abides in me every second and moment of the day. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the counselor, the great leader, the, the, the comforter of our soul. Uh, can you imagine what you and I could be like if we were aware that he is with us every second of the day? Years ago, I was counseling a pastor, and he, was, um, he had taken on this position as pastor, and it kind of appealed to his narcissism. He didn't mean to be a narcissist, but in the position of pastor, he thought he himself was going to carry every workings of the ministry. He thought that he himself was responsible for every part of the church. And in this counseling appointment that I had with he and his wife, his wife looks at me and she looks at him and she says, he doesn't even know I'm standing there most of the days. He doesn't even recognize me when we're out to eat with another couple and he begins to give them counsel. He doesn't even look to me as his partner. And I thought the Bible said that the two had become one flesh. I thought we were a team in this. And in that moment, he has this revelation. Wait a minute. She's been there the whole time and I don't even acknowledge her. It was in this moment that everything in his marriage and his ministry turned around when he began to acknowledge and recognize that she is a part of me and I'm a part of her what would happen to you and me if we would realize that Jesus's spirit lives and abides in us and he's with us every moment of the day the great comforter the great power of heaven the, the Holy Spirit who was there at the creation of the world the Holy Spirit who split the Red Sea and they walked in the midst of it the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me what would happen if we would begin to engage with the one Come on, you're tracking with me? Instead of being unaware that he's there with us. What if we became cognizant of his ever-present help in time of trouble? If we became cognizant that never will he leave us or forsake us. If we became aware that he wants to engage because he's not sitting there as a bystander. And, we've not, and to set him off to the side as a spectator is not his role. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Are you with me today? Say yes. God's with us, but are we with him? He's trying to engage with us, but have we limited that engagement to Sunday services? It's the only time we engage with the Lord is when we're, quote, in the house of the Lord. I remind you, you are the house of the Lord. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because we don't engage with Jesus, Throughout the day, I wonder what all we're missing out on. I'll tell you a couple things. First off, we're missing out on strength. We're missing out on the strength of God. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's talking about engagement. I, I wonder what, what kind of peace do we not walk in because we don't engage with the Spirit of the Lord throughout the day. I, I wonder what it looks like to go to work and him sit there and go, I'm here. And you're fighting these battles and making these text messages and you never even leaned over and said, what do you think I should do about this? What, what would happen if you and I became aware of the missing piece in our life of comfort and strength because it's sitting right, he is right there and you and I are trying to do this thing all by ourselves. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'll send you a comforter and he will live and abide in you. He will guide you in all truth. Father, help us. What, you, you know what we lack? We lack miracles and power in this hour, not because he's not powerful, because he's sitting right there and we have no engagement with him.
because we're waiting for Sunday gatherings or small group gatherings before we engage. Because we've forgotten that he's with us wherever we go. I'm preaching to myself. I'm not even preaching to you. And this brings me to a concept or a passage of scripture that awakens this truth in me like no other passage. And I want you to turn quickly with me to Luke chapter 10. And we'll look at this engagement with Jesus, Mary, and Martha. Come on. Some of you know where I'm going. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, And now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha. Everybody say Martha. She welcomed him into her home. Now, Martha more than likely is the elder, which she is, of the siblings. Uh, most scholars believe that because she has the home uh, and she's obviously not married, uh, that her parents probably had passed away. And now she kind of runs the home and she's under, as Jewish culture would, uh, would dictate, she's under her, or Middle Eastern culture would dictate, she is under her younger brother's um, protection to be able to do business and to be able to run a, a household under his leadership, if you will. But she's the leader of the home. Now, as they were traveling along, they came in, and she welcomed her into her home, verse 39, and she had, she had a sister called Mary, everybody say Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the word. Now, this is against culture. Uh, women were not, in these days, allowed to be discipled. They were not considered um, uh, worthy to be discipled to this level. The rabbi comes into her home, the great teacher, we know Jesus as the Messiah, but in that moment, you know, some didn't believe him as the Messiah, and so there was this back and forth, is he the one? Martha, Mary, uh, their, their brother Lazarus, welcome him into the home, and Mary is sitting at his feet as he's talking, and he's just pouring out, and she's just soaking it all up, and keep reading with me, but Martha, everybody say Martha, she was what? Distracted with all of the preparations. And she came to him and said, I love this, that she's going to rebuke the Lord. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? So since I can't get him to realize that he's breaking cultural protocol, what I'm going to do is I'm going to manipulate the situation. Come on. I'm going to manipulate the situation and say she should be helping me because she's the little sister and I'm the boss and you don't care about Do you not care about proper protocol? Much less, I can't even point out to you that you let a woman sit at your feet and let her learn from you. All the preparations that has to be, don't you care? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord, everybody say, but the Lord. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Do you remember when your mama would call your whole name out? <laughs> you ever, you ever, or repeat your name a couple of times? That's a whooping on top of a whooping. That's a whole nother level of whooping this. All right, you're tracking it. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. He is not denying that we should do what is proper. If someone comes into your home, you need to be hospitable. He's not, he's not throwing that out the window. And so he doesn't say, she's chosen right and you have been wicked. What he says to her is, she has gone after that which is better, that which is good. And friend, it cannot be taken away. What is he talking about? He's not talking about work versus not work. I used to get, I used to, as a pastor to a lot of young adults throughout the years, I would always get so caught up with them as they got into this passage and they thought, that's it. All I'm called to do now is just sit at the feet of Jesus and worship all day long. And I will just, oh, I'll come before. And that's my calling. 
That's where true gospel is at. And I would slap him upside the head and say, no, the Bible actually says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Go get a job, sucker. And I'm like, well, but I thought that's what Martha was doing. No, 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 you misappropriate what Jesus is dealing with in this moment. Jesus is not saying that she shouldn't work. Jesus is saying, I'm in your house. I'm here. What else matters in this moment? The Messiah has stepped into your house. I'm with you. Be with me in this moment. Don't be about all that other. Be with, if I'm with you, then be with me. If I'm here with you, don't go worry about all these other things. You're distracted and you're worried about all these other things. Be with me. Mary got it. And Mary is with me because I'm with her. And Martha, you're not with me. But I'm with you. I'm in your house, girlfriend. I don't know how many times I'll get to actually be here with you. So while I'm here, be with me. You and I have a gift that the Old Testament followers of God did not have, and that is the Holy Spirit doesn't just come down and show up here and there in our lives. He lives in us. He's with us every moment of the day. And how shameful for Adam and Cain not to take advantage of the moments. How shameful for me to live my life running around doing all these other things and not stopping and going, whoa, God is with me. I think a better question should be not God, what do you want me to do? But God, what are you doing and how do I get involved in that right now? What are you, what are you doing right now? Like, what, I don't want to just have services and I don't want to just preach the word and just read the Bible. I want to do what God is doing in this hour. I want to be a part of what he is. I want to hear what he's saying and I want to receive it and propagate it. I want to do what he's doing. I want to be what he is. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. But Martha misses this whole thing because she She's so busy trying to do for him that she's not being with him. Have you ever had somebody who was with you, but they weren't with you? You know the frustration I'm talking about. Some of you have been through that. Some of you had a relationship where they said they were with you, but they weren't with you. They weren't with you. They were with someone else while claiming to be with you. Oh, I'll tell you, all throughout Scripture, we see, we see the children of Israel constantly cheating on God, being adulterous. Their affections, their love, their passions would get swayed away to these false idols, these false gods, because they wanted to fit in with culture. They just didn't, they were the only ones that didn't have a king. They were the only ones that didn't have these little temples with these false gods running around. Their God had positioned himself in a tent and they would, and would speak through their people. And they didn't have all these sacrificing of babies and all these kind of things that all these other false religions would do. And so they constantly would run after that the whole time having God with them. I don't know if there's anything more embarrassing than when I come into a revelation throughout the day. You've been here the whole time and I've never even brought you into the conversation. I just went through something difficult in that last meeting, and I never even asked what you would have me do. In fact, I ran after my to-do list and never even asked you if this is what you would do today or if this is what you're doing today. He says to her, you're worried and bothered. Write this down. Two signs. Two signs or two proofs, if you will, that you're distracted from Jesus. Two signs. Number one, worried. You're worried. Now listen, I know that there has been plenty of reason 
to act worried in these last two years. But that is a sign that you are not with him. Because can you answer this for me? What is Jesus Christ worried about right now? What's he worried about? He's not worried about anything. The Bible actually says he sits on the throne and he laughs at the nations and all of their craziness. For he is the Lord God. And all things have been placed under his feet. The one whom you serve, the one who's with you every second of the day, is worried about nothing. In fact, I'll quote that passage out of Luke chapter 12. He says, and who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? This is the passage that goes on and says, and he says, don't worry about what you'll eat and what you'll drink and what you'll wear. He said, the pagans do all that. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all this also will be added to you. And he goes, only say, he goes, why, if you're so great and you're worrying, doing so much great stuff, what hour have you even added to your life? You can't even add an hour to you. I can make a whole new calendar if I want to. I can reinvent time if I want to, because I'm God. And you've not even been able to add another hour to your life with all that worrying. That worrying is stealing your life. And it's proof that you and I are not engaging with the one who's with us. Have you ever had a friend that was the biggest guy in the room? As a smaller guy, I always made friends with the biggest guy in the room. Because I always created stuff. I always ran my mouth and got us in fights. But I never got beat up because I always made the biggest guy my best friend. You know why? Because I was going to have his back and he was going to have my back. And anybody who messed with me, I just said, um, you need to talk to my friend. Why are you worried? You're worried because, as Jesus said, Mary has chosen that which cannot be taken away. She understands that she's with me. She's being with me. Whereas you are being distracted. And proof of your distraction is that you're worried. Here's the second proof that you and I are distracted away from Jesus. And that is you're bothered. He said she, you're worried and you're bothered. Bothered. Frustrated. I quote that passage to you all the time that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. That word, that word resist actually translates translates out a little bit better. God frustrates the proud. So if you're frustrated, it's because of pride in your life. I'm frustrated about my job. Pride. I'm frustrated about this and I have pride. Pride. Why? Because a humble and a broken spirit who submitted to the Lord our God, I'm not bothered by any of that when I realize he's with me. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what goes down. Recently, I was counseling some pastors. I went, I went to Mexico to, to meet at, on a retreat to minister some pastors. And we were going around the room, and one of the pastors just began to open up. And he said, um, he said I've been doing counseling. My wife and I started going counseling once every two weeks. We just, just to keep us strong, just to keep us communicating. We realized that that was something we needed to do. We didn't have any major, major problems that I knew of, but I just wanted to, I wanted to get better as a man, as a husband, as a pastor. He said, and while we were meeting with the counselor two weeks ago, he said, the counselor looked at me and said, what are you mad about? This pastor's telling us this. We're sitting in a circle around the table. And he goes, I'm not mad about anything. And he looks at my wife. 
do you think he's mad? She goes, I don't know what he's mad about. But he acts, he's been acting so, he's such a butt, that's <laughs> what she said. And, uh, and this pastor's conveying this to us. He goes, I'm not mad about anything. And why are you acting so angry? He goes, I, I don't know that I'm acting angry. So he sat there and the, the counselor began to help him unpackage. And guess what came out? Well, three months earlier, half the church left him. Did him wrong. And he was bothered by this. Guess how his bothered by this was coming out to those around him? He was being angry. He was being mean. He was being a jerk. Didn't even know it. Because something had bothered him, he internalized it. And then what was happening on the outside is just being mean. Didn't he know he's being mean? Didn't he know he's being a jerk? Because of what he was bothered about. How can you and I be bothered that deeply when he's right here with us every second of the day? There's only one reason. Because we're distracted away from him. Because if I'm with him and I'm engaged with him, guess what he's doing? He's healing that. He's fixing that. He's working that through with me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know when he starts fixing things. You know when he starts working through things. And you know when you're right there with him. And you feel like you're in step with him the whole way. You know what those moments are like. The problem is, those seem to be these moments that we look back and call it revival. That's supposed to be everyday Christianity. We call it this move of God. That's supposed to be every second of our day. Because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He's right here all the time. All the time. And you and I get distracted away from him so because we're distracted away from him we get full of worry and we get full of botheredness if you will and he says Martha you're an amazing girlfriend and I love you I came to your house I ain't going to nobody else's house I'm at your house if I'm at your house that must mean you're special to me and if I'm at your house why are you acting like this because you've gotten distracted sweetheart and that distractedness the proof that you don't realize that I'm trying to be with you but you're not trying to be with me is that you're worried and you're bothered and you're worried and you're bothered and guess what you're doing now you're trying to take your sister away from what she's experiencing. Now you're wounding everybody else, and you're frustrated, and you're agitated, and you're aggravated, and then you want to start rebuking me. Girlfriend, hold up. You blaming stuff on me. Come on now. Only because you are distracted from engaging with me. So I wonder, Adam McCain, what all is distracting you? And so I put together a couple thoughts as I read through scripture and as I've been going through some things like this. I put together a couple thoughts on how I am seeing our common distractions. Let's start with those for just a second. As you get ready to write these down, I'll say this. I learned this years ago. If Satan can't get you to fall into sin and walk away from God, then he will distract you from knowing God. You first, when you first become a Christian, every demon in hell tries to get you back. Right? Think about it. You could never get a date. You get, you get, come on, single people. You get saved, and every one of those hoochie mamas that you could not get to even call you back are now lining up to try to go out with you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You couldn't get ahead in business to do nothing. You get your life right with God, and now people are offering you opportunity to steal, manipulate, lie, and going to make you lots of money. You would have taken advantage of that so fast back before. 
But now you're trying to serve God. Tempt you, I mean, listen, get you, get, try, try to try, get you away from God. And if they, if, if they can't do that, the powers of darkness can't do that, then they'll get you so distracted that you don't know the God that you're trying to serve. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So let me give you a couple of distractions that I've learned over the years. The first one, common distraction, is number one, ourself. Ourself. Our wants, our agendas, our dreams. I'm like you. I'm a go-get-it kind of person. I wake every, up every day. I have a to-do list. I create an agenda for the week, the month, the year, two years, five-year, ten-year plan. I can't tell you how often my agenda, my plan, is in the way distracting me from him. How many times? I'll prove this to you. How many times have you been in a conversation and they start talking and they start pouring out their heart and you're like, I got to go. I'm supposed to be somewhere right now. Like you are throwing this whole thing off. And, and, and so you're not even listening to it. You're like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I know some of my friends, they have, their body language changes. When I know they don't want to listen to me anymore, they start, they turn this way. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way they position themselves. Or they'll start looking, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. they, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Talk about a distraction. I'm my own worst enemy. What I feel like I'm supposed to do with my life, what I'm supposed to be accomplishing today, I can't tell you as I look back over the last 20 years of my life how many God moments have I missed. Because I just was distracted by me. What I thought I was supposed to be doing that day. What if you and I woke up every day and said, God, today's your day. I have a job. I have children. I have responsibilities. But you gave those to me. So you know the best way for me to navigate them. How would you like to do that today? What if you and I actually were what we said we were, followers of Christ? What if, what if I could get that right? In my head and in my heart. What, what, if, what if Adam could get out of the way and stop trying to tell Jesus how he ought to do things? And I just learned to engage with him. I, I believe I am my worst enemy. And I love Galatians 5. I quote this frequently to you. Galatians 5 and 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That whole thing is about staying in step. If I'll just... Live by the Spirit. If I'll just stay in step with the Holy Spirit, if I'll just stay in step with the Holy Spirit, I won't fall into the sinfulness of my sin nature that drives me back in. Come on. I won't be full of fear, doubt, worry, anger, frustration, perversion, thievery, whatever it is. I won't get falling back into that because I'm engaging with the Spirit all day long. I'm following the Holy Spirit all day long. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as tempted or as stumbling back into my old nature because I'm in step with Him. And if you and I would just get free from us... I think we could actually engage with him properly. You're tracking with me? Say yes. I'm telling you, this is, again, I'm preaching to Adam McCain. I appreciate the rest of you coming, but it's for me. Here's a second common distraction, and that is entertainment. I love to be entertained. I don't know about you, but I love it. And, uh, you know, there was a season when Mimi was a single mom to me, and I was a poor latchkey kid. I had to raise myself. She always laughs. She says, 
Half your stories are not true, by the way. I just want you to know that. I was a good mom. I know, mom, you're a good mom, but it was, it was, I was a poor kid. <laughs> That's not completely true. She says that to me after every month. But I did. Remember, second, third grade, I had to go home from school, lock myself in. She worked till 5, wouldn't get, off, get home till 5.36. And, and, uh, and so I'd be at home by myself. And I'll tell you, I learned what came on at 3 o'clock, 3.30. Come on, somebody. Do you know, I did this statistical uh, research, and do you know that the average American spends three hours a day watching television? That's from 2021, the uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor stats. They're trying to figure out why we're not working. Do you know the average American spends 2.5 hours a day on social media? 2.5 plus 3, five and a half hours distracted. Isn't that something? I wonder what would happen if we cut that down a little bit. I wonder what would happen if you and I, instead of swiping or clicking, what if, what if we just engaged and sat with him? And listen to him. Ask him to open up our hearts to who he is. What would happen with that? And here's the third distraction that I know to be true, and that is forces of evil. There are demonic forces that are constantly trying to distract you away from the Father. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Your kids might be part of that. Just kidding. Just kidding. I knew they were full of the devil. <laughs> I'm being silly, all right, online. Don't send me any bad emails, all right? I'm just being silly. I was, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were in uh, Mexico uh, on this pastor's thing we were doing, and, and, um, and we decided that we better come home with some gifts for our spouses. So we went down. If you've ever been in Mexico, you know, they got the little, area, little shopping area, and uh, we went we were at this little shopping area, and as we were down there on, on the street corners going in and out of these little shops, and uh, this, guy, this kid walks up to us, and uh, he begins uh, communicating to us that he is a representative of one of these, you know, uh, excursion companies, you know, do you guys want to, well, I can take you out to swim with the dolphins, you know, we've got four-wheeler riding, you can go do this, you can go do this, you know, he's there for tourists, you know, to try to get them to come with his company and, and uh, speaks amazing English, like amazing English. And so, and so we start talking, so man, your English is amazing. He goes, yeah, ac actually, I grew up in El Paso. He said, um, I was an undocumented citizen, um, came when I was a child, but went to elementary, junior high, high school, uh, graduated high school there in El Paso, and I uh, actually got this, gr my, my girlfriend pregnant, was driving down the highway one night, um, you know, ran a red light, whatever I did, whatever he did, he said, and the police pulled him over, and the moment they recognized him as an undocumented uh, citizen, they grabbed him and threw him across the border. This guy goes off on politics. It's hilarious. He, he, started, he started going, well, it wasn't hilarious. It was so sad. He starts saying, you know, you're letting, what, MS-13, MS-13, your, your president's letting them just crash the border and come through, and I can't even get back in the country that I grew up in. And we're just like, oh, yeah, that's us. You know, like, wow. And so before you know it, we just start ministering to him. And we just start telling him, God's got a plan and a call on your life. And, uh, and he's trying to get back to the United States. You know, he's trying, to, he, he's trying to figure out how to do it the right way. He's doing all these work in this job, you know, with this, you know, tourism company, trying to, you know, trying to make enough money to go back to be with his child and his girlfriend. And, uh, and so, you know, this conversation with him goes on for about 20, 30 minutes. 
Meanwhile, there are other people that he has tried to engage with on the street uh, to try to get him to come sign up with his company. And, and so a little distracted. And so we were like, dude, we love you. Let's, can we just say a little prayer for you? So we said a little prayer for him. And, and we went to the little open air, little taco stand, you know, just, you know, up the block. And so we're sitting there and he comes back. He goes, guys, I need to talk to you more about, about, about God. I need to talk to you guys about God. And so he's like, pull up a chair, bro. He's like, ah, oh, they don't really want me in the restaurant. You're our guest. You're having lunch with us. Give him a taco, you know. And so we're doing that in this outdoor thing. And, uh, and we're at that place. He begins weeping as we begin to call the greatness out of him and that he was created to be with his creator. We start witnessing to this young man, and this young man's heart becomes aware for the first time that it's not about the Catholic church or the Protestant church. This is about a relationship with the one who created me. I can know God. He can know me. I can be filled with his Holy Spirit. I can, and he's like, yes, I want Jesus. Right now, I want Jesus. And so we're looking at each other. like This guy's like, pray with, I want you. What do I do? And we're like, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And he goes, all right, I want to do that. And right as we go to lead him in the sinner's prayer, this woman bust up in this outdoor area and says, hey, 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 I need you. You mentioned about that thing, and, uh, and I saw y'all talking, but I don't care. My husband and I are in a hurry. Can you come show us where we're supposed to go? Now, this is this guy's job is to get tour, tourists to come to his, you know, his little tourism company. He goes, uh, uh, and we're looking at her like, you are Satan. I'll tell you, this man's life's about to be changed. You don't mind busting up a conversation. We've got this guy locked down. It's not like he's sitting out on the corner trying to sell you something. We've got him in a little outdoor restaurant area at the table with us, and we are about to lead him in a prayer of salvation. And this woman comes, and you can feel it on her. You can feel the, 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 the spirit of, of deception, and she is all about her in this moment, and nothing else matters. She probably, in her own thinking, is like, you know, I'm in a hurry and I got to get this done. And I went and found this little fella and he's sitting there having lunch with some people and I'm going to interrupt it because I don't care what she doesn't realize that those are forces are evil that are pushing her in that direction to keep this man from coming to know the living savior. And so in that moment, she jumps up because he wants to be loyal to his business. And he goes, uh, uh, sure, uh, I'll be right back. And we're like, there he goes. He's gone. He's gone for seven, eight minutes. We start praying for his soul. Seven, eight minutes comes to an end. He comes running around the corner. He says, I'm back. I need Jesus right now. Y'all finish this thing up. We're like, whoa, whoa. Can I tell you something? The moment that you start trying to engage with the one, every distraction, every force of evil is going to try to distract you. Car going to break down. Come on, somebody. Pipes are going to burst. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. We've lived this. But you and I must be vigilant. I don't want to live my entire existence on this planet with him right here every day, right here every day, and I don't engage with him. And I'm distracted and worried and burdened and frustrated. How could we be burdened and frustrated when the one who created the planet, who created us, lives within us? When the counselor is there to guide us and direct us and empower, how could we be in fear and doubt and unbelief because we've gotten distracted from engaging? He's with us, but we're not really with him. We love him, but we're distracted from the engagement that will change our lives. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. 
Nothing will harm you. You tell every force of evil when you wake up every morning, you will not harm me. You will not distract me. I will engage with the Holy Spirit throughout the day today. He will lead me in all righteousness. He will guide me around the potholes of this old wicked world. I will not be taken down by you forces of evil. I will not be distracted by you. You can get on my boss, but you're not going to get on me. I'm not even going to be mad at my boss because I'm going to recognize that he's just being distracted by the forces of evil. But it will not distract me from having a relationship with the one who saved me my soul. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. What if, what if we started the day by inviting Jesus to lead every day? What if you and I woke up and said, Jesus, lead? What if we stopped leading and let him lead? What if we woke up and, and, and began to do our to-do list and we said, Jesus, I got the pen. Here's the paper. Take my hand. What do you want done today? I got to go to work. How do you want that done today? How can you engage with me so that I can be like you. Are you tracking with me? How about this? How about what if throughout the day we paused and asked Jesus, what should we do right now? What if in the middle of whatever you do, whether you're a carpenter, you're a businesswoman, a teacher, what if in the middle of the day you stopped and said, Jesus, what do you need me to do right now? What are you doing? How do I get in on this? Because right now I'm about to murder a bunch of third graders. And so Jesus... What are you doing right now? Because I know you don't want to kill third graders, but I do. So can you help me? What are you doing? Because what I'm doing is not working. Are you tracking with me? Call somebody. What if, what if multiple times a day we threw our hands up and declared, Jesus is Lord and I am not? Is that not the problem with me? I want to lord over my life. I want to direct my life. I want to lead my life. I don't even know I'm doing it. What if I just throw my hands up and say, Jesus, you are Lord and I'm not. What you got today? Let's go. Lead out, Jesus. Wouldn't you rather be led by Jesus than you trying to lead Jesus? Martha, how crazy are you? You want to, tell, you want to lead Jesus? The Messiah's in your house. Come do what Mary's doing. I'm here. What you want to do? Because you are Lord and I am not. What if... What if we committed to limit the distractions that are so common to you and me? I threw out three. I'm sure there, he said there, you're distracted by many things. I don't know what all the distractions could be for you. I don't think this was an exhaustive list. I just think I know these are effective in my life. What if you and I said, you know what? I'm going to leave this message today. And I'm going to figure out what distracts me from engaging with the one who saved my soul. That I'm there with him, but I'm not there with him. I know he's there, and I get that philosophically, but I don't know how to engage with him. What if you and I committed to limit those distractions? What if right now we took advantage of this moment and invited Jesus to speak to us while we simply listen? What if that's what our Christianity began to look like? What if you and I stopped trying to lead him and let him lead us? I would remind you, he's with you. The fact that you don't think he's with you, again, is a distraction. Because if you've called upon his name and you've declared him as your Lord and Savior, then he has filled you with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit lives and abides in you. That's why you can't enjoy sin like you used to be able to enjoy sin. Because why? Because every time you bring Jesus, every time you bring the Holy Spirit into that porn, every time you bring him into that lie, every time you bring him into that cursing, every time you bring him into that half-truth, every time you bring him into that divisiveness that you grew up seeing propagated by your family, by your mom, every time you begin to do that, you feel 
this grieving. Why? Because he's in there going, oh, I love you, but oh, that's so much not like me. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that he convicts me. Thank God I'm not left to myself. Thank God that I'm never alone. Come on, are you with me? Thank God he's never abandoned us. Come on, he's there, an ever-present help in time. I'm not talking philosophical. I'm talking about real, natural, everyday life. I'm not talking about, yeah, he's with me. No, he's in you. That's why you feel that conviction at times. That's why you have these moments where you say something, you're like, where did that come from? And somebody's like, that's so good. Thank you so much. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. We don't need Pastor Adam. I got this. Come on now. Why? Because it's the Spirit of the Lord who lives and abides in you. How about we start engaging with him throughout the day and let him lead us? Are you tracking with me? Come on, stand with me. Hey, everybody. Wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it, consider it, pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know, we wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.